illegal participation on the defense. 15-yard penalty from the previous spot remains first down. This had better be a big play after all of that. Second down and eight, four and a half to go in the half, six nothing Beavers. Jonathan from the right half from the zone 25, goes back to throw and throws the out, and it's caught, and it's going to be a big play! Chad Johnson down the left sideline, nobody will catch Chad, and it's a touchdown 75 yards for the Beavers! This is the moment, and right here will tell perhaps all about that. Third and one and a half from the right half. Simon's in the handoff, can't cut to the left, first down and more, 30, 25, 20, Simonton on his way, Ken into the end zone, touchdown Beavers, and the streak is going to end here tonight. The snap on target to Wojtnik, he gets a much better punt away here, Sammy Strotter back to his 30 yard line, starts up the middle, gets to the 40, he's got a seam, 45 midfield, 45, 40, he's got a chance to go, 20, 15, 10, 5, Welcome to Illegal Participation, the official podcast of the Heiner Tailgater. Recording this while firmly ensconced at the Heiner Tailgater headquarters, I'm your host, head chef, planner, and chief bottle washer, Bill Heine Heinrich. Joining me, as always, from the somewhat stormy Heinrich Tailgater Northern Command Outpost, the lead driver and director of thermodynamic lipid immersion, my co-host and brother, the Beej. Beej, how are you doing? Cutting out already. You're still cutting out. I'm sorry. I there don't you know go. What to do. Yeah. So you get for Better. living out in the Thule Whackers. Dude, it's freaking stormy as hell up here. I know, and you're getting really bad, really bad internet reception. Dude, well, do you want to try to? No, we're just going to power want... through this. Okay. All right. The purpose of illegal participation is for us to spread our inside experiences and passion for the Oregon State Beavers with others and just generally talk some beaver sports, football, tailgating, and have a little fun along the way. Tonight, Beach, we're going to have our usual show for show number 70. You know, 70 makes it sound old. 60, 69 was hot. 70 just sounds old. There you go. Well, I want to remind everyone you can... You can listen to us on your iPhone or Android device on the Stitcher Radio app. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Remember, if you want to get in touch with us, there's a couple ways. Email us, HeinrichTailgator at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at HeinrichTailgator. You can also check out HeinrichTailgator on Facebook. Okay, Beach, just a couple quick pieces of uh, listener feedback right now. Okay. Uh, nothing. I was never uh, formally sent anything. Uh, but uh, uh, one thing, uh, I talked to listener Doug the other night. And he informed okay. me that the NCAA soccer does indeed stop the clock for stoppages of play. They do. They do. Yes. Other the other once you get to higher divisions of soccer, they do not. They do that stupid running clock thing. But the NCAA actually does stop the clock for soccer. 
brilliant. So they actually realized that there's a stop switch on the system. And they got, they got the extra button that well, start and stop it. That's what a college degree is for you. Or, or yeah, exactly. <laughs> you lose that concept. <laughs> um, the other thing was I had a couple people ask me last week, why in the hell did we go so in depth about the acrobatics and tumbling thing that we talked about? We talked about all the teams in the uh, college acrobatics and tumbling division. Uh huh. And I had just wanted to put yeah. this out there. The reason why we did that was because when Oregon dropped their wrestling program, they were so far out of t- Title IX compliance, meaning equal participation numbers for men and women, that by bringing back baseball, threw them out of even more out of alignment. So they brought back, or they started that. It was at the time called competitive cheerleading. It's since changed its name to acrobatics and tumbling um, to try to get them back into Title IX compliance a little bit more. And, and really, but, it, but it's it's, it, it's a made up sport, so women have something to do. I pretty much, and something since that you, Oregon since, State, you, since you, yeah, since, since it, they don't have a, a sport for crocheting and and uh, knitting anymore. I guess. Well, and it was just crap because. Oregon can say they're really good at it when they're really one of the only teams that does it. Yep. Everybody gets a trophy. Well, anyways, so that's we're in that. The, we're in the top five of the five teams that do it. Pretty much. All right, Beach, you ready yep. to talk a little Beaver sports news? Yeah, I'm surprised nobody got that, but I guess we might have no, new listeners. No, some people understood it. I had other people ask me, why were you doing that? I know Doug said, he was like, I couldn't believe you guys talked for it that long. I'm like, well, we kind of found it interesting, and it was all kind of off the cuff as things went along. <laughs> so. Anyways, uh, let's talk a little Beaver sports news. First up, women's volleyball. The Oregon State volleyball team fell to the number two USC Trojans in three sets last Thursday night at the Galen Center. Then the, the volleyball team fell to the number nine UCLA Bruins in a four-set match at the John Wooden Center on Sunday. The ladies are now 5-21 overall, 3-13 in the Pac-12, and closed their home slate with the Senior Day match versus Arizona on Wednesday, November 25th at 7, and conclude the 2015 season at Oregon on Friday, November 27th at 8 o'clock. Nice to put that one out of its misery. You know, during uh, the football games on Saturday, they had quite a few advertisements for the the volleyball, uh, for OSU's volleyball team. Yeah. I just I just wanted to cry. Yeah. I don't cry because I'm a dude, but I wanted to cry. <laughs> nice. All right, Beach. Uh, next up is women's soccer. Oregon State women's soccer defender Greta Espinoza has been named an all-Pac-12 honorable mention the conference announced last Tuesday. Now, Espinoza started all 19 games at center back for the Beavs, helping provide stability for Oregon State backline after junior Catherine Baker was lost early in the season due to injury. Now, Espinoza helped lead the Beavers to five clean sheets on the year in her first season after transferring to OSU. The junior has provided a threat on uh, different things all season, and scored her Oregon State goal off a corner kick against USC on September 26th. Now, she's a pre-business major and also has earned significant experience with the Mexican national team competing for her country at this summer's FIFA Women's World Cup. Uh, Stop you for a second there, Billy. If you don't mind me asking, because I don't understand the slang these days. Clean sheets uh, mean they didn't allow a goal. 
Thank you. I didn't quite know what clean sheets were. I thought that was Sunday in the Heinrich household. Didn't know what it meant on a soccer field. Yeah. Okay. Dude, there's <laughs> never clean sheets in your house. Wow, you just took it there. I mean, I'm not denying the fact, <laughs> but you had to take it there. <laughs> uh, all right, Beach. next up is men's soccer. The men, the, oh, hold on. Let's just say they do have a stop clock now. They do have four a rocks, Four rocks, a ball, and a stopwatch. There you okay. go. Okay, all right. The Oregon State men's soccer team fell one to nothing to Washington at Lorenz Field on Thursday in its final game of the season. Now, the Beavs trailed one to nothing at halftime and spent the second half chasing, trying to get the equalizer. However, Washington keeper Ryan Herman preserved the lead with a diving save of a header by Timmy Mueller midway through the second half to deny OSU's best scoring opportunity. Now, the Beavs, after a very promising start, finished the season 8-9-1, and 3-6-1 in Pac-12 play. So uh, Timmy saved Ryan by giving him a head? Not quite. Okay. Anyways, Beach, up next is wrestling. All right, how are we doing wrestling, Billy? Well, uh, sophomore heavyweight Amravir Desi went 3-0 and for the tournament, and the Oregon State wrestling team went 2-1 and against top 25 competition on Sunday at the Northeast Duels event. Now, the 20th-ranked Beavers bounced back from a 25-6 loss to number 10 Nebraska, where they only won two of, of uh, 10 matches against Nebraska, by rallying wow. from a 9-0 deficit to defeat number 25 Northern Iowa 23-12 and by routing number 19 West Virginia 23-13. Now, OSU won 13 of its final 17 bounce after dropping the first three against Northern Iowa in its second match. Now, the Beavers host Rutgers in Utah Valley at Gill Coliseum uh, on Saturday in their next matches. Now, admission is free, but because of the home football game with Washington, fans must pay for parking if they park in a football pay lot. So, I know I was okay. talking to Doug, and they're going to be coming over for the tailgater and then heading over to the wrestling matches before heading into the football game. Heading over to the tailgater before okay. heading. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. So that's, do, that's do a lot of people show up for? Do, do a lot of people go to uh, wrestling matches? I don't know, Beach. I was funny. I was talking to Doug about it, and I go, you know, wrestling is always a sport that I admire the hell out of because mm-hmm. it is just you get it's just you and your opponent. That's it. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of view the same on boxing too. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Bo- boxing's a, a lot more uh, brutal, but yeah. it's still it's it's one on one. And there's and so it, much it, strategy it, it, and leverage and and you know outmaneuvering the other guy. It's it's amazing. Yeah, yeah I'm just it totally. It's just it's one of those things that I'm just totally impressed with. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I don't know a lot about the the ins and outs of the sport. So I wish I did know more. But again, Beach, we have those passes if we want to go down for some uh, some um, wrestling meets this this, this winter. After the football games are over, I agree. The, uh, and then, uh, and so, and we're while we're wrestling on the floor doing real strategy, the the girls down in Eugene are jumping up and down and playing with jump ropes and stuff, right? I don't know if there's jump ropes, but yeah, oh, I, I I picture jump ropes. And you're just hoping tight fitting, you're just hoping and tight tight fitting Nike athletic wear. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Beach. Like girls, girls on trampolines. The girls on trampolines. There you go. So, Next up, Beach. Yeah. For Greg is women's swimming. 
Now, the Oregon State swim team won eight of 14 events, had four individual event winners, and posted numerous season-best times on Saturday in a duel with BYU at the Dixon Rec Center. The ultimate prize eluded the Beavs, however. The Cougs went 1-3 and, th- and three in the 200-yard freestyle relay, the final event, to claim a 133-129 victory at the Stevens Natatorium. The Beavs led 125-120 in their first home meet in six weeks, heading into the concluding relay. The Cougs took a slight lead in the first leg, though, and held on to edge the Beavs by less than a second to win the 11 first-place points. They also took third for two additional points, preventing the Beavs from tying the meet. Now, Cesarina Ileta won three events. Sammy Harrison and Amani Amir doubled, and Annie Hecker won once. Amir and Ileta also swam legs in the victorious 200 uh, medley relay in what Coach Larry Leibowitz termed an impressive day in the pool. Now, the Beavs returned to action this Thursday through Saturday at the Houston Invitational, hosted by the University of Houston. An impressive day in the pool. There you go. Wow. All right, Beach. moving on to some winter sports. Next up is women's basketball. I'm stoked for this, Billy. How are we starting out? Well, the Oregon State women's basketball team welcomed in the highest-rated signing class in school history last Wednesday as the Beavers signed four outstanding players to national letters of intent. Michaela Pivek, Kate Tudor, Madison Washington, and Janessa Thrope will all join Oregon State as freshmen in the 2016-2017 season as part of a signing class that is ranked number 12 in the nation by Prospects Nation. Now, getting underway in the season, six players scored in double figures as the number 9 Oregon State women's basketball team crushed Longwood 110-45 on Friday night in its season opener before a Gill Coliseum crowd of 2,651. Now, senior guard Jamie Weisner hit 9 of 11 shots overall and was 3 for 4 from beyond the arc, while scoring a game-high 24 points. Sophomore forward Marie Gulich added 12 points, senior forward Devin Hunter had 11 and 10 rebounds, and senior center Ruth Hamblin, junior guard Sidney Weiss, and junior forward Colby Oram added 10 points apiece. Now the Beavs also unveiled their 2015 Pac-12 Conference Championship banner before the game. Now, tonight, Beavs, this just in, mm-hmm. tonight the... Oregon State women's basketball team defeated the University of Portland up at the Child Center on the bluff, defeating Portland 94-50. to Jamie Weisner led the Beavs with 22 points. Marie Gulich had 10 rebounds and Sidney Weiss four assists. I totally would have gone tonight except I had to record a podcast. There you go. Now, the Beavs uh, returned to Gill Coliseum on November 22nd for a 2 p.m. matchup with UC Riverside. Alrighty. All righty. Uh, maybe... Okay. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Say. Oh, I was going to say we need to hit one of those up probably in uh, in December. So right, we can do that. We can do that. We'll look at the schedule and we'll get it set up. Okay. okay. All right. Moving All right. on. All right, Beach. The men's basketball team, uh, Oregon State men's basketball coach Wayne Tinkle and his staff announced the addition of three student athletes who signed national letters of intent on Wednesday. The 2016-17 class includes Keandre Dew, a six foot eight, 215-pound small forward from San Bernardino, California; Ben Coney, a six foot nine, 235-pound power forward from San Jose, California; and Jacory McLaughlin, a six foot four, 180-pound point guard from Gig Harbor, Washington. 
Now the Beavs opened up their regular season and four players scored in double figures as Oregon State pulled away in the second half to defeat Northwest Christian 74-52 on Saturday afternoon before an opening day crowd of 4,594 at Gill. Now senior guard Gary Payton II had 16 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists, and 3 steals and 2 blocked shots to lead the Beavs to their 5th opening day win in the past 6 years in the first ever meeting between the schools. Now forward Trey Trinkle added 14 points, excuse me, Trey Tinkle added 14 points. Freshman center Drew Eubanks, 13 points, 8 rebounds, and 2 blocks. And freshman guard Stephen Thompson Jr., 12 points on 4 three-pointers. Now the Beavs returned to action on Tuesday with a 7 p.m. game against Iona, picked to be a championship contender in the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference. It will be televised by the Pac-12 networks. So if you're listening to this on Tuesday, the game will be on at 7 o'clock tonight. All right, Beach, and last up is some football. Uh, okay, we don't we don't have to go into this one. No, we do. Oregon State sophomore punter Nick Probieski um, has been selected as one of ten semifinalists for the prestigious Ray Guy Award presented annually to the top punter in the college football by the Augusta Sports Council. Now, poor Besky is in his first year for the Beavs after transferring from Snow College in Utah. The native of Melbourne, Australia, is averaging 41.8 yards per punt on 53 attempts. He has eight kicks of 50-plus yards, including a long of 66 yards last week against UCLA. He also leads the Pac-12 Conference for punts, downed inside the opponent's 20-yard line with 22. Now, three finalists will be announced November 24th and are invited to the Home Depot College Football Awards show December 10th in Atlanta that will be televised by ESPN. The 2015 recipient will participate in the All-Area Football Awards and Ray Guy Awards celebration in January in Augusta, Georgia. So that's cool. Uh, I think uh, the only time I'd ever... Yeah, I was going to say the only time I'd want to be in Georgia is probably in January. Yeah. Um, But that's cool. Yeah. No, you, you know, it's funny because dur- during the game, you know, he was he was playing really or performing very well during the game. But uh, I told Dad, I said, you know, I don't get excited to see my punter out on the field. No. So, but you know what? He that, he has been dropping a lot inside the 20-yard line, which is impressive. Yeah. A good punter yeah. can be a great weapon. The problem is, Beach, they have, you know, really stuck some teams in some bad field position because of their punting. But the defense mm-hmm. can't hold it. Yeah. So I mean, if you got a guy, your team stuck inside the five, that's pretty sweet. But you know, half the time it just leads the team for a ninety-five yard driveway now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Which is what sucks. Yeah. So. Anyways, you, you know, Billy, that that, remind, that reminds me of something that might be coming up here shortly. Oh really? Yeah. Beach. Beach. Is that what? the color type I hear going? Yeah, what a gun it is, Billy. Hold on, hold on here, Billy, hold on. This just in. Uh, actually, this just in from the Register Guard, believe it or not. Oh, from, you mean from, like a uh, legitimate Rob news source? Like, like a totally legitimate news source. Not not the uh, the obscure ones that you find on the uh, on the the news rack at the grocery store. Uh, this this one here says Oregon. Uh, this one's by Rob Romig. It says here Oregon Ducks football team may b- break a record it doesn't want to break. Uh oh, am I breaking up? You broke up a little bit, but we heard it. Okay, so 
says here, despite compiling a win record, Oregon's defense this season has given up 307 points in eight games, or an average of 38.38 points per game. If that trend continues, the 2015 edition of the Ducks will shatter the all-time school record for both total points allowed and points allowed per game. Really? Yes. It says we've compiled the top 10 list of the Oregon teams that have given up the most points per game. The 1977 Ducks hold the top spot for generous U of O defenses. In Rich Brooks' first year as coach, Oregon allowed 377 points or 34.27 points per game. That season, Oregon lost 54 to nothing to Washington, 56 to 17 to LSU, and 56 to 20 to Washington State. It's wow. difficult to compare eras. Scoring in college football is on the rise, uh, but still, the 2015 Ducks rank 118th out of 128 teams for scoring defense. Wow. The 1977 Ducks ranked 139th out of 145 teams, and this Duck team is allowing about 15 more points per game than last year's team and 18 more points than in 2013. Wow. So, so they're oh, kind of like the, the Oregon easy, Ducks. They're, they're kind of like the easy girl in school. Yep, you can, everybody's yeah, scoring you can on them. Sco- everybody's scoring on them. So, yeah, you know that that explains. Uh, you know, I've 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 seen uh, I've seen uh, uh, Helfrick's name up on the bathroom wall lately. <laughs> so that would be why. There you go. <laughs> so anyway, so so there's the update from Eugene. Is it is it, is it Helfrick or the defensive coordinators? Don Pelham. Uh, <laughs> that might have been him too. I think it was I think it was actually for Menage a Trois. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, for ah. a good trois call. They are they <sighs> It's hard not, to not, uh, not not It's hard to say much with this beach when the bees haven't been very good at all yeah 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 but uh the bees remind me a lot of myself because i have trouble scoring so yeah. <laughs> well the beefs actually i thought scored well we'll talk about it when we get there anyways good update from eugene beach thank you thank you yeah. um all righty where, where uh, are we at billy i lost, lost my place under further review for week number 11 in the pac-12 after further review, the runner did cross the line. Touchdown! You know, for once, I actually was got to stay at home and watched a couple games, or at least parts of a couple games. And uh, I hate to say it, but I'm I forgot most of my picks. I think from last week. Maybe they'll come to me. But I'm like, "Call dang, who did I pick in this one?" Because there's a lot of good matchups. Yeah, well, you didn't have a very good week. I didn't. No. Did I blow my lead? Neither did Kyle. Mine was slightly better. Anyways, so uh, moving into last week, the the standings were Kyle was in third place with 40 out of 68. I was in (laughs) second place with 42 out of 68, and you had a two-point lead with 44 out of 68. We will see where things stand at the end here, Beach. All right. I hate when you do this crap. I know. So first up, Beads, there was one game on Friday, November 13th, USC 
at Colorado. Friday the 13th, and I'm pretty sure I picked USC. And did both of you guys pick the Buffalo on this one? No, Kyle took Colorado. I took USC. Now, USC. Okay. Oh, that's right. You baited me on this one. You're like, I too am going to take USC. I think it's something like what you did. USC defensive tackle Delvin Simmons forced a fumble and blocked a field goal. And Cody Klesser threw three TD passes in the second half as Southern Cal hung on to beat Colorado 27-24 on a frigid Friday night. Now, trailing by two touchdowns in the first half to a 16-point underdog, the Trojans woke up on offense and scored 24 straight points. It was their 10th straight victory over Colorado. Now, Kessler gave the Trojans their first lead on a two-yard pass to tight end Taylor McNamara late in the third quarter. The defense preserved the win by forcing a fourth down incompletion on Colorado's final possession with 1.59 remaining. Now, Colorado turned to freshman quarterback Cade, excuse me, Cade Apsay when Cephalafau left with a foot ailment in the second quarter. It was announced after the game that Lafau had a Lisfranc injury. He will need surgery and miss six to eight months. Now, Absay finished with 128 yards and two TD passes, including one to senior Nelson Spruce. This was Spruce's 22nd scoring catch of his career, tying him with Scotty McKnight for the most in school history. What is a Lisfranc? It's some kind of weird f- fracture of your foot. Okay. Yeah, and it uh, which ultimately results in a six to eight month loss well, of playing Well, basically, time. what happens is you have to uh, you have to go in for surgery. Wow, you can't uh, you can't just recover. You got to cut it up and fix it. So, the Lisfranc fracture is an injury of the foot in which one of or more of the metatarsal bones are displaced from the tarsus. So it's basically. It's basically you where just, it, it's where pulled the, your toe. What was that? I was gonna say it's like you pulled your toes out. Basically, yeah. So it's the you know it's from the the toes are displaced from the main bone in the foot. Wow. And it's actually named after Jacques Lesfranc de Saint Martin, a French surgeon and gynecologist. Hmm. Who described the injury in 1815 after the War of the Sixth Coalition? Hmm. So there you go. That's odd. That he was a surgeon and gynecologist. I wonder why. All right, yeah. all the rest of the games were on Saturday, November 14th. First up was we're going to start with these out of order: Washington at Arizona State. Ooh. Um, this was one I, I struggled with, I think. And ultimately I said something about the weather. I thought Arizona state was going to win this one. Did I pick Arizona state? You took Arizona state. I took Arizona state and Kyle, I hate you, Kyle, Kyle took Arizona state, which was good. Arizona state sophomore running back. Kalen Ballage broke three tackles on a 48 yard run in the fourth quarter for a second touchdown. And Arizona state rallied from a woeful first half to beat Washington 27 to 17 on Saturday. Now Arizona state staggered its way through a lethargic first half, looking nothing like a team trying to play its way into a bowl game. But after falling into a 17 to nothing hole, the sun devils got their groove back dominating the Huskies on both sides of the ball to move within one win of bowl eligibility. 
Now, Ballage had 92 yards on 11 carries, and Mike Bercovici threw for 253 yards in a TD for the Sun Devils, who need to beat Arizona or Cal to become bowl eligible for the fifth straight season. Now, dominating in the first half and still in it after three quarters, the Huskies imploded with four turnovers in the fourth. Quarterback Jake Browning, who threw for 405 yards and a touchdown, had three of those interceptions after a solid first half. Sounds like the Huskies cooped. Well, let's hope the Huskies cook it this week, too. All right, yeah, so we but, all pick up a point there. Next nice. up, Beach, I don't know if you watched this game, Utah at Arizona. Uh, no, but uh, did, did Utah drop this one? Yeah, they dropped this one. Who'd you pick? I think I picked Utah. Actually, all three of us picked Utah. Now, Arizona backup quarterback Gerard Randall completed one pass on Saturday night. And boy, was it a big one. Randall, playing in place of an injured Anu Solomon, threw a 25-yard touchdown pass to Nate Phillips on the first play of the second overtime, and Arizona stunned number 10 Utah 37-30. Now, the loss knocked the Utes into a first-place tie in the Pac-12 South with USC, and the Trojans hold the tiebreaker by beating Utah earlier this season. Now, Solomon had passed 277 yards and two TDs and ran for a season-high 86 yards for Arizona before leaving the game after a helmet-to-helmet hit with 925 left in regulation. Now, no penalty was called. Now, Utah running back Devontae Booker carried 34 times for 145 yards. The Utah star running back, who left the game in the third quarter and returned after a ride on the stationary bike, didn't have a run longer than 13 yards in the game. Arizona's Caleb Jones caught five passes for 126 yards in the TD. Now, the win snapped the Wildcats' three-game losing streak and made them bowl eligible. So uh, this helmet-to-helmet hit that you talk about with Solomon, what uh, did you watch it? I did not see the hit, no. Okay, but it's a, it was a questionable hit, evidently. And it sounds like a lot of people think they should have been called for targeting. You know, it, targeting's a. Sometimes it's very easy to call. Yeah. Other times, you just don't know if just the angles. Well, fell. it doesn't matter if you hit a guy in the head like that. That's the rule. Mm-hmm. They're trying to prevent helmet to helmet hits. And and uh, well, I think we're going to get to it. But I think the uh, the Wazoo game had a had a pretty good one that ultimately wasn't called. Yeah, so did Oregon State. Um. So none of us got the point there. Uh, next up, Beach. <clears throat> excuse me, Oregon at Stanford. Um, I believe I took Stanford on this one. Actually, all three of us did. Now, Oregon quarterback Vernon William, or excuse me, Vernon Adams threw for 205 yards and two TDs, and Oregon used its quick strike offense and the late two point stop to beat Stanford 38 to 36. Saturday night. Now, in a game dominated by offenses that combined for more than 900 yards, it was a defensive stop in the two-point attempt with 10 seconds left that sealed the win for the Ducks and kept their chances alive for a conference title. Now, after Stanford quarterback Kevin Hogan lost two fumbles on snaps in the fourth quarter, Stanford tied it on Hogan's four-yard TD pass to Greg Tobot. Needing a two-point conversion to tie it, Hogan tried to find tight end Austin Hooper over the middle against the Blitz, but linebacker Joe Walker got a finger on the ball, and the Ducks held on for the win. Now, Oregon running back Reese Freeman ran for 105 yards in a score, and Charles Nelson scored on a 75-yard run on one of the Ducks' three touchdowns of more than 45 yards. 
Now the Ducks need to win the final two games and hope Stanford loses next week at home to California to win the Pac-12 North title. Wow. Yeah. So, and we were kind of talking about that, Beach. We we're kind of talking about the the mess of everybody tied, and we'll go through that in here in a couple minutes. But uh, yeah, Oregon. You know, I think Adams only threw twelve passes, in the- and Adams really doesn't impress me much as a quarterback. He's got really good escapability. Mm-hmm. But his passes are a lot of times just kind of lobs out there. He keeps. Yeah, playing. you know. Well, here's one thing. He keeps plays alive, and that lets his guys, lets defenses break down and his guys get open, so he can just lob it out there. And two, that team plays a whole hell of a lot better when he's a quarterback than when he's not. Dad said the exact same thing. He's like, he's not that great a quarterback, but he can keep on his feet long enough that he'll throw the ball up there and somebody can pick it. You know, he gives his receivers enough time to get open. Yep. So he's like, as long, as long as he can scramble long enough to throw it out there, the receivers will get under the ball. But, uh, yeah, Dad was saying the same thing when we were watching the game on uh, Saturday. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, huh? Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah I, I don't know. I, was real, I mean, I was rooting for Stanford on that. I wanted to put, have them put a, put a nail in the, in the coffin. But yeah. uh, I don't know. Uh, Oregon did play the better game on that one. I thought yeah. they, uh, I was they executed how, better than the I was run. surprised at how well they were able to run. Yes, me too. You know, they got that edge so, a lot. Yeah, and I just thought, uh, well, it's because they hold so well. <laughs> so Actually, I think they've been getting called more for it this year. Uh, a little bit, a little bit. But they still, it's it's still well coached in that in that offense, I think. Mm-hmm. So, I, that's, I mean, no other team can, you know. How come that crap has never worked before? Well, because they just don't hold as much before. There so. you go. All right, Beach. Next up, oh, I got to tell you right now. So I've got ESPN on in front of me, mm-hmm. and they've got a replay of the Oregon uh, Baylor game. Is Oregon really ranked 25th in basketball? Yes. Oh, I don't know about that. They got up in the top 25 now in the football rankings. I know, but yeah, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But God, that god awful Oregon floor with the stupid trees. I swear to God, it just looks like hell. It, it looks like somebody spilled like, the stain. It spilled the stain. Or the bleach. That's all you can say. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's going on right now. Oregon's ahead of Baylor, 46 to 33. Anyways, I just hate those guys. All right, Beach, we only have two games left to talk about from last week. First up, Washington State at UCLA. This was a this is the game I got to watch, and at the end, what a great game to watch. Mm, it was a great game. Oh. Do you remember who yeah, you took? I, well, um, I was because of the situation with Oregon. I was rooting for Washington State, but uh, ultimately, I picked Ucla on this one. Yep. And uh, Kyle and I both took Washington State. Now, Washington State wide receiver Gabe Marks caught a 21-yard touchdown pass from Luke Falk with three seconds to play, sending Washington State to a 31 to 27 victory over UCLA on Saturday night. After several oil. UCLA players had warmed up on the Cougars' sideline to begin the game. So when both teams come out to warm up, several UCLA players start decided to warm up on the uh, Washington State side of the field. Why would they do that? I don't know, but it left the Washington State players feeling rather disrespected. Now, 
Washington State had a pretty improbable addendum to what's become a storybook ending to the Bruins' home finale. Now, Josh Rosen capped a desperate 80-yard drive by scrambling 37 yards and diving for the go-ahead touchdown with a minute nine left to play for the Bruins. But Falk answered with his own spectacular 75-yard drive, ending with a remarkable physical catch by Marks, who became the Cougs' career receptions leader earlier in the game with his 196th catch. Now, Coach Mike Lee's club has won five of its last six games, giving the Cougs seven victories for the first time since 2003. Now, Leach claimed he didn't know about UCLA's pregame use of the Cougs' side of the field, but his players had missed it. Now, linebacker Jeremiah Allison said, even if it's your home field, you should have the decency to let us warm up. So odd. I mean, I just don't get it. Yeah. You know what? You was, it, put, was it stupidity or was it intentional? You know, I guess that's my first question. Was I have it stupidity to, dude, or intentional? They've, they've all played football since they were little kids. I would have to imagine it's intentional. And that's just why I'd say you don't put bullets in other guys' guns. Well, you know, it was it was funny watching that game. Falk had more dirt on his jersey than any of his linemen did. But uh, he... He was still playing that game all the way to the end and did a beautiful job. I agree. I agree. So, well, and he it took was a just big fun hit. to watch. I mean, it was it was fun to watch Rosen go down and 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 score, and then at like a minute nine left, you're like going, "Son of a son of a gun, can these guys respond?" And and I mean, he just did it beautifully. I think he uh, Falk screwed up when he threw that interception that gave Rosen the chance, the opportunity to to score. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was a bad call, probably by Leach, because I think they should have started maybe throwing some runs at that point. Oh. Um, but uh, it didn't cost him the game. It could have, but it didn't cost him the game. I went down one. Well, and and, and yeah, and uh, Falk had taken a big shot too. And was actually out of the game for a little bit before he came back in. Yeah. So yeah. Well, and both of those both of those quarterbacks, Rosen and Falk, young, talented quarterbacks. I mean, I, I see those guys having a lot of potential uh, in the next at the next level. I Just agree. Fantastic. If if they if they get better, I mean, think of what another year or two is going to do for Rosen. Unbelievable. Yeah, I agree. So. I was excited. It's a great game. I was. I actually flipped it off the Oregon State game because I got tired of seeing the same thing on the other channel. Yeah. So, so that leaves us with the last game for us to go, talk go, about. Go, go, going back to uh, how well our punter has done for the last few games. Yeah. So, uh, oh, I've seen. I've seen him punt already. Yeah. <laughs> so the last game of the weekend to talk about Beach was Oregon State at Cal. Yeah. And of course, we all took Oregon State. You know, we're just going to not pick the Oregon State games next year. Okay, that that might be a good call because we'll we're all going to pick it. And, yeah, well, because if Kyle doesn't pick Oregon State, we're just going to hammer on him mercilessly. mercilessly. So I, yeah. I just leave it off next year. We'll we'll finish out this season since there's only two weeks left in the regular season, which is just hard to believe. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of like the whole Pete Rose thing. You know, you can't vote. You you can't bet on your own team. Yeah, you know, we can bet on all the other teams, just not on our own team. Our problem with betting on our own team, we lose money because we keep betting on our guys. (laughs) So uh, Cal quarterback Jared Goff overcame a sluggish start to pass. Jared Jared what? Don't call me Jack. 
Goff overcame a sluggish start to pass for six TDs and 453 yards to help Cal beat Oregon State 54-24 on Saturday night and end the Golden Bears' four-game losing streak. Now, Goff misfired on Cal's first two drives but bounced back nicely while helping Cal get the much-needed victory that makes Coach Sonny Dykes' team bowl eligible for the first time since 2011. The Bears' Career leader in nearly every passing category, Goff completed 26 of 37 passes while helping Cal pile up a school record 760 yards in offense. Now, Goff threw a four-yard touchdown to Kenny Lawler, completed a 51-yard pass set up to help set up Vic and Wari's one-yard scoring run, then got a big lift from Selvin used running back Trey Watson on Cal's third touchdown. Watson caught a short pass from Goff in the left flat, cut back across the field, then raced down the sidelines and broke two tackles on his way to the end zone to complete the 45-yard score. Now, Goff padded his total in the third quarter with a pair of touchdown passes to Maurice Harris from 13 to 29 yards to push the Bears' lead to 44-18. He rounded out his night with an 11-yard scoring toss to 300-pound freshman halfback Malik McMorris in the fourth quarter. And yes, Beej, you heard that right, 300-pound halfback. Wow. Yeah, he's a big, big, big boy. Big boy. Too many Twinkies. Yeah. Uh, Oregon State, which hadn't lost at Memorial Stadium since 1997, couldn't keep up. Now, quarterback Nick Mitchell making his fourth start in place of injured Seth Collins threw a 20-yard, 29-yard TD pass to Jordan Villeman just before the half to pull the Beavs within 24-10 before Cal completely pulled away in the third quarter. Now, it was a rough night all around for Mitchell, who was knocked out of the game following a helmet-to-helmet hit by Cal linebacker Jalen Jefferson. Now, Mitchell had just thrown a three-yard touchdown pass to Noah Togiai when he was, Togiai when he was hit. And there was a roughing the passer call thrown, but they did not call targeting or helmet-to-helmet, which I don't know how you don't call it on that play. Yeah, he, was, he got thumped. Textbook. It was textbook. Yeah. And how they don't call it on that play, I will never know. And they said that, they can't, uh, the, the guy in the booth can't override that. He can't override it. That's correct. So. He can only okay. override it if it's called that way on the field, and then they have to go back and look at it. In he, can, he can correct a call, but he can't do a no a call. call. Yeah, he yeah. can't correct a no call, but he can make a wrong call. He can correct a wrong call. So, yeah, what, what's really bothered me, Beej, is the last two weeks, and part of it is the Beavers' secondary is young as hell mm-hmm. and beat to rat crap. So they've got really young guys, and a lot of the guys they had earlier are already hurt. And so it's just, it's tough. It's mm-hmm. just tough. And, you know, UCLA kind of figured that out last week and just threw the ball like hell all over the Beavers. Mm-hmm. And then Cal did the same thing. Yeah. So... Let's hope for some improvement against Washington this week. We so, are quickly, we are quickly becoming the the Colorado of the Pac-12. This year we are. Yes, but we, we won't are. be Washington, who went 0-12 a few years ago. Just remember that. Okay. Yeah, just remember that. At least right. we're not in Washington. That's right. If only we can beat Washington. All right, Beach. So after week 11 in the Pac-12, the standings are as follows. Kyle is in third place at 42 out of 74. I'm still in second place at 45 out of 74. But, my brother, you're only at 46 out of 74. Wow, nipping at my heels. Right there. Right freaking there. Now, when we get to there, I still do not have 
uh, Kyle's picks. So we will have to do them without him, and I will just add him to what uh, is picked. Or or we can make up Kyle's picks. <laughs> no, we'll I let mean, Kyle make his own picks. Okay, I'm just saying. I'm sure we'd be fair. unless he's too much of a weenie and thinks he's done and isn't just isn't going to make. I mean, picks. you know, he doesn't even have to show up for this crap. All he has to do is send you a lousy email, and the guy can't even come up with that. Yeah, you know, he's only got a wife and two young kids and a job. And hey, wait a minute. Uh, That's my life. I, the hell, I do well, this. I, well, well, how about this? I'm I'm single. Got to do everything myself. Got two jobs. Running for Congress, by the way. Yes. And working on a podcast, and a major contributor of one of the best tailgaters at Oregon State University. Which so what? You know what I hate? They never come to our lot for us to be the the sons of bitches. Never do. They stay right out there around the scoreboard lot. Here's your free beef. Here's here's your cattle ranchers. You know, little supply pack. Why don't you get your fat asses out of the parking lot and walk down the street for once and see real tailgaters and not the corporate sponsored ones exactly. you jackasses I agree. there's your jackass of the week right there <laughs> that was a good beef rant we haven't had a good beef rant in a while beef, well beef, you know we talk about so for for the people who are listening here, so Billy was struggling on what to come up with for the jackass of the week. I think we we we, we can still do the one, okay. but I truly think today's Tommyville Tuberville jackass of the week is the the what is this? The Cattle Ranchers Association Tailgater of the Week Award? Whatever it is, Oregon it's Beef. The biggest. What is it? The big Oregon Beef Council. The Beef Council. Oregon, the Oregon Beef Council. You know what? Yeah, we should the big, send them. Oh, come on. You know what? We're going to do this right now. The biggest crock, the biggest crock of hooey I've ever seen. I mean, I don't know if they're, if they're, you know, are they, are they truly that obtuse or, or do they work at it? Oh, I found their Twitter. Oh, tweet the hell out of them. Oh, light okay, them up. Okay. So put everyone... the power of the Heinrich tailgater on them. Yeah. That's what we need to do. Put it out on Heinrich Tailgater. Anybody that follows, go tweet to them that now, they need to come to our here's tailgate. The, here's the problem. Their last tweet oh, was November 2013. They've tweeted 13 It'll times. Light up their Twitter account. But they haven't done anything in in in. Uh... Yeah, ooh, but ooh, if okay, some, okay, 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 hold on. Some, if somebody's monitoring their Twitter account and all of a sudden they get like 500 Twitters in a day from some l- tailgate group out at Reeser. Okay, here we go. Well, we'll do more and I will post an update about this on the next thing. Okay, okay. Well, we, we got to do it this week though because the tailgater's this week. See, look, here's what it says though. If you're attending any of the Beaver home games this season and happen to be tailgating, this is from the Oregon Beef Council's page, and happen to be tailgating in the main parking lot in front of the stadium, be sure to be on the lookout for the Oregon Beef Council. We're combing the lot for those cooking with beef. You can also give us a shout out no matter where you're tailgating by sharing photos of your pregame party to our Facebook. You never know, we might choose a second winner. Damn it, Beach. I am. Do we have pictures of the. Damn it, Beach. Are you there? Damn it, Beach. We are sending pictures to them on their Facebook page. I'm gonna. We're gonna start. Do we have pictures of the beef from last week or two weeks ago? Um, I usually take pictures of stuff. I mean, okay. we got pictures of you cooking. I we got pictures of you hooking up that tri tip. Okay. Remember? Well, that needs to go up there. Damn it. We need okay. To well, take a look because 
I, I usually either I post it on uh, post it on the Heinrich Tailgater Facebook page, or usually if I don't, I paste it on my own. But I, I uh, tag you in it, so okay. it should be something. Well, we're gonna start a campaign to get them over to our lot because we're making cheesesteaks as well. Dang we're, right. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Anyways, now I'm fired up. All right, Beach, let's talk about right. Pac-12 in the polls. We haven't we haven't won a good contest in like three years. Not since the, the not since the Traeger, which was the 2012 season. And and we haven't uh, and and we haven't really tried to win any contests since then. So no. it's about time. Yep. All right, Beach. Let's talk about the Pac-12 in the polls. First up is the AP poll. Stanford fell to 15, Utah to 18, USC climbed up to 22, and Oregon re-entered the poll at 23, while Washington State entered in at 24. Now UCLA is the Did only you say team. Or, in the- or, or, or Oregon got pulled. Pretty much. And UCLA is the only team in the others receiving votes category. Now, in the USA Today coaches poll, Stanford again fell to 15. Utah at 18. Oregon at 22. Washington State at 23. And USC at 24. Again, with just UCLA in the others receiving votes category. Now, Beach, last week in the playoff poll, Stanford was at 17 and Utah was at 10. But they're both going to fall out and pretty much did in the Pac-12's chances of getting a team in the 14 playoff. Hmm. So, but anyways, I don't like the playoffs. That's a political beauty contest. Anyway, I say win the pack mm-hmm. and go to the Rose Bowl. That should be your goal. Yep. Screw everything. I'm else. like, I, well, all the rest are, again, all the rest of the teams are cheaters and whores. Mm-hmm. Why would we want to be associated with them? That's why Oregon can be associated with them all they want because they fit in with that crowd. Mm-hmm. But I'd rather play with, uh, uh, ourselves and uh, the ten other uh, good quality Pac-12 teams, mm-hmm. and uh, see which which top two, uh, or see which which top two fight at the end, and and what team goes on to uh, take on another. Uh, what do we play? The Big Ten. Yes. Yeah. So much much funner that way. All right, Beach. It I, is I time for every everybody wants to have every one have the winner well you know what if you if if it's got to be a popularity contest then there's not a winner screw you know it's just made up all right beach it's time for this week's tommy tuberville what's he think i look like a jackass you sure do (laughs) jackass of the week award and every week we like to discuss a person in football who exemplifies the truly worst in sportsmanship leadership or just being a fan this week's beach are we not only giving it to the Oregon it's gonna be Beef the, it's, Council? It's going to be the Beef Yes. Oregon Beef Council for never coming over to the Heiner Tailgater and giving the, the award to a real tailgater. Exactly. Right? right. We're going to just hammer them after this. Yeah. Come out at 7 o'clock and join us for a Philly cheesesteak, jackasses. is exactly right. All right, Beach. This week actually goes out to a uh, corporation. A little uh, okay. and yellow-tinged corporation that makes its home here in the Beaver State. And is this a little four-letter word? It would be a four-letter word, Beej. All right. So uh, last week, Beej, Nike unveiled their special color rush uniforms in the NFL that caused a rash of complaints. Now, for Thursday's game between the New York Jets and the Buffalo Bills, Nike ditched the usual arrangement of having one team wearing white to help fans differentiate teams from afar. Instead, they designed an all-red uniform for the Bills and an all-green uniform for the Jets, causing complete confusion. 
Yeah, but Billy, what what if what if I'm green red colorblind? Exactly. You couldn't tell the difference. And therein lies the problem. Now, even Bill's head coach, Rex Ryan, admitted in a press conference after the game that he was confused. But he said, quote, but hell, I look out there and my team's in red. Blue? I might have had a chance, but I'm like, who are they? Oh, shoot, that's us, he said. So it's different. Now, even NFL.com blasted its sponsor and called it a Christmas-tinged nightmare. The complaints are valid because colorblindness is common. According to the National Eye Institute, which says that as many as 8% of U.S. men and 0.5% of women have it. It also didn't help that MetLife's green turf only compounded the problem. Now, when Nike announced the Color Rush initiative between itself and the NFL earlier this month, the company said the idea was to, quote, recapture the spectacle by highlighting color in a reinvigorated and reimagined way as a way to celebrate the 50th year that football has been shown in color on television. Now, Nike hasn't said if it has plans to change the uniforms since the rest of the season's Thursday games all have color rush theme. Now, the special uniforms are available for sale on Nike's website if you want to troll your colorblind friends in real life, too. So, yes, red-green colorblindness is a real thing. So a bunch of people looked out there, and all they saw was gray. They saw uh, I was going to say, and all and gray. when they're on the green field, I can't see anything. Exactly. <laughs> is there a guy? I can't tell. <laughs> is there anybody even on the field? I don't know. <laughs> so, Nike, and more to the point, the Oregon Beef Council, you get this week's... <laughs> Jackass of the Week Awards. Yeah, I think we need to hammer them, Beach, with some pictures and some and some Facebook posts. So okay, get your ass over to a real tailgater. Yeah, we'll be out there at seven o'clock. We'll have one. We'll have a cold one waiting for you. Yep. So. Yep. All right, Beach. It's now time for a little musical interlude from the mighty GNFNR. And GNFNR. you, you, my friend, had a great idea for tonight's song. What was my idea, Billy? I forgot. That was like an hour ago. Well, you wanted to go with Oh, a- that's right. Well, we, we, we discussed. So, uh, Duff McKagan. Who is the bassist for Guns N' Roses. Or, you know, was yes. the bassist. Yeah, might be again because the rumors keep getting stronger and stronger about a reunion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that really has to do with the fact that we picked their music on the uh, podcast this year. We're I really think taking it back. We are. I mean, I think we're pushing it. But uh, anyway, he's actually from Seattle and still lives in Seattle. And so I told Billy, I mean, there's kind of the connection there to us playing University of uh, Washington. But uh, you're the one that actually we were talking about songs to pick. And I was thinking of picking one that maybe Duff sang in because there's a few songs where he actually uh, does lead vocals in lieu of uh, Axl Rose. But you're the one that said, how about Bad Apples? Mm-hmm. And I said, Washington's the Apple State. I think it's a great song for this one. Yeah. So, here so, we go. What, what, uh, Guns N' Roses from the Illusion 1 album? I believe so. I'm, 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 I'm guessing with you on that one, Bill. Okay. I get and and here, is, here is Bad Apples. <laughs>
Love that song, Beach. I'm just a Guns N' Roses fan, too, by the way. Albums on, and I can play GNFNR all the way through. So, um, kind of crazy. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, they've, they've, got, they've got such a broad range. And hopefully, hopefully there's some people on here who's listening to our podcast that might not have ever heard Guns N' Roses before. And uh, actually are going, hey, you know, this stuff's kind of interesting. You know, whether you like it, love it. But uh, hopefully you can appreciate the style that they brought and the, the range that they brought in their music mm-hmm. for the fact that they only really put out, what, five albums? Jeez. Well, they had, the, they had the EP to start out. They started out with Live Like a Suicide, which was the first half of the uh, – well, what was their second album? They put oh, out Appetite, exactly. and then they put out – Lies. Lies. And the first half of Lies is their EP, Live Like a Suicide. And then they've got a couple other songs on the second side of Lies. And then they put out the two Illusion albums. And then they put out the Spaghetti Incident, which is a album of all punk rock covers. Mm-hmm. You know, I was reading an article here about Duff McKagan. Yep. And I missed it here. Uh, I had it and then it, it fell off. But it talked about they sang a... Uh, I'm sorry. There you go. Go ahead. Okay. It said uh, uh, there was a, a song that they did for uh, the Spaghetti Incident that never got released. Really? Yeah, and it's called like a beer beer and a cigarette. Huh, I've never heard it. Okay. I think we might just have to let that one go, Beach. Beer and a cigarette. Okay. Yeah, sorry. That's okay. This weather's just really screwing with your internet connection out there. I'm sorry. I'm not hearing the sticks. It's lucky I even have the I know. I'm surprised. I figured you'd have to write it all on, you know, stone tablets. All right, Beej, it is time for our Week 12 preview in the Pac-12. Time to make our picks. Um, I do not have Kyle's pick, so we'll have to add Kyle's in later, and we'll talk about him next week. And, of course, now we'll just make fun of him for being a slacker. Okay, Beej, looks like all the games are on Saturday, November 21st. We've got a bunch of... I've never seen so many solar flares in a single night nice. before. Okay. All right. So um, we have a couple of rivalry games taking place this week as the season starts to wind down. So all the games are on Saturday, November mm-hmm. 21st. First up, Beach, the Territorial Cup, Arizona at Arizona State. Hmm. So... Since I don't have any skin in this game, other than the point, a mm-hmm. uh, friend of mine, John Onstad, graduated from Arizona. <clears throat> so I'm going to say on this one, bear down, go Zona. Okay, Beach. Well, I already wrote my pick down before you even said that. I am taking Arizona State. All right? All right, Beach. We're going to power through this because we keep losing connection here yeah. so i'm taking arizona state next up beach usc at oregon usc at oregon usc really yeah all right i'm taking sc also uh because i'm writing these down before you say it next up uh, okay ucla at utah ucla okay i'm taking utah uh, next up, the big game, Cal at Stanford. Stanford. Yeah. You sure about that? 
Yes, I am. Okay, yeah. I too am taking Stanford. Well, you know, here's the thing. There's two things pushing me for uh-huh. this. Stanford wants to go to the to the Pac-12 championship game. Mm-hmm. Pac and uh, Stanford doesn't want Oregon to go to the Pac-12 championship mm-hmm. game, so they're doubly motivated. <laughs> true, true. And if Stanford wins, they sew up the uh, Pac-12 North. And it's all yep. done. Yep. Okay, Beach. Uh, up next, Colorado at Washington State. Uh, Washington State. Okay. I too am taking the Cougs. And finally, Beach, Washington at Oregon State. You know what? This is going to be our first, our first Pac-12 win of the season. Ah, I'm taking that too, Beach. I think the Beavs are going to hold you, you, you know, and honestly, honestly, I, and I told you about two games ago, I said I thought the Beavs had two wins yeah. in them. And unfortunately, the two wins are going to be our last two games. But we're going to have two wins out of the season. Mm-hmm. And it's going to start this Saturday. There you go. You know, when the Beef Council, when the, when the beef council comes out and gives us our freaking crap for having the best tailgater at Oregon I just, State. I just like their page on Facebook. And uh-huh. I'm going to start posting pictures. So okay. Should I do it too, yeah. or should we should we half double? Or okay. I mean, everybody going out there. If you're listening to this, go to the Oregon Beef Council Facebook page. Although they haven't posted anything to their page since October 27th, but at least it's you know this year, as opposed to their uh, to their um, other thing. So start posting it and and uh, say you know you need to come over to 15th and Western Lot, see the Heiner Tailgater. All right, Beach. So. That's all our picks. Yep. Now, this has been a very challenging recording for us to do because of all of the issues we've had with the weather and knocking out cell phone reception. So I think we're going to hold your Rosie Ruiz Cheaters and Horrors till next week. Yes, okay. I, I can do okay. that. But I do want to talk a little bit about the Washington, the upcoming uh, Heiner Tailgater for the Washington game. So it will be our final okay. tailgater of the season. We'll be starting it at the at uh, seven o'clock again. For those of you who get out there, we will have a couple little bre- breakfast things, but nothing major. And uh, kickoff has been set for one o'clock, I believe. So it'll be no three. Um, three kickoff's three. Kickoff is three or three thirty. The the duck game kickoff is one o'clock in two weeks. That's what it is. So three thirty. So we'll be going through till two thirty with the tailgater, and we're doing cheesesteaks. Part. This yeah. is our cheesesteak game part, part, part did. Yeah. And we were doing that before the whole French issue. Exactly. So just like, and, know. um, and we're also going to, I was also saying it's going to be rather chilly out there. I was going to do a big thing of beer cheese soup. That'll be yeah. good. And I was going to make it with a little, uh, Washington micro brew, a little Washington craft brew. Maybe mm. a, uh, beer cheese soup with a little red hook. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That sound good or not? Could could you put the beer cheese soup on the? Is it a thick soup? It'll I be. Mean, it'll, I think it'll be, it'll be that? too thin. But we'll have soup if okay. you want soup. And okay. I was going to get some bread too. Oh, it's always yeah. good. All right. And other than that, beach, we're going to be cleaning out the pantry. That's so awesome. we do need to we're do that. We're be cleaning out the pantry, so everything that's left is coming out and getting used. So there's some. So that means churros. churros. There's a few cookies left. There's uh-huh. Yep. So everything that's left will be getting We're cooked, deep, deep frying everything, and deep everything. Yep. Oh, sweet! Right. So we're gonna be hopefully we hopefully we get a good crowd. I wonder if we got any uh, Washington fans. Actually, uh, John Eaton. Uh, 
Oh, is he coming yes, down? he's coming down. He messaged me today. And it says, okay. let me read it here. Hold on, hold on. I wasn't planning on doing this. John Eaton said, uh, I hope this message finds you well. It is my every two-year email with you. My wife, Michelle, along with our daughter, Lindsay, along with two other couples, are heading down to the Beaver Husky game this weekend. I wanted to reach out and see if it would be okay to say hello and drop off some smoked salmon for you and your crew to enjoy. Let me know, and I completely understand if you have enough guests already. Take care. And I said, of course. We'll be having cheesesteaks and beer cheese soup. Sweet. So, hope hope they hope we see him early. He, so hopefully they can hang out for does, does, is, is it you that knows him or dad? It's uh, well, it's it's actually Dick Eaton. His dad is is uh, who dad okay. knows. So yeah, so hopefully tell him and, yeah, come uh, down, hang out, enjoy some food. You know, sweet. Yeah. Okay. Find a tailgater. Everybody's welcome. Exactly. No matter what your colors, even even if they're red and green, you can't tell the exactly. difference. Exactly. <laughs> All right, Beach. <laughs> So, uh, do you have anything else to add tonight? I got nothing, Billy. All right, Beach. Well, this has been a little challenging, but this has also been show number 70 of Illegal Participation. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to comment, send a suggestion, or ask a question, there's a few ways to get in touch with us. HeinrichTailgater at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at HeinrichTailgater. Also, check out for Heinrich Tailgater on Facebook. Also, go to the Oregon Beef Council on Facebook and pepper them with... Just, just pester the hell out of them to come over to our lot and check out the Heiner Tailgater. That's what they need to do. And uh, remember, it's, 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 it's what's for exactly. dinner. Uh, listen, subscribe on iTunes, and please leave a review on iTunes. And remember, you can listen to us on iPhone or Android device with the Stitcher Radio app. All right, Beach. It's been a challenging show, but I think it's a pretty good show. I also yes. like the Beach rant, which we haven't gotten in a while. Yeah, I try, I try to tone it down, but, you know, occasionally it just, it, you know, something grabs All right, me. Beach. Well, next week oh. we will be, I don't want to hear what's going on underneath your desk. Uh, next week we'll be wrapping up the regular season with Civil War and show number 71. You were going to say something? Sometimes things sometimes things grab me, sometimes I grab myself. There you go. Probably so. more often than not, it's the latter. <laughs> Anyways, so next week is show 71. We'll be talking about Civil War. And uh, we'll be doing a couple more. Sh- we'll be probably doing a couple shows in December to finish off uh, the football season, and then we'll kind of do a recap after that in January after the bowl season is over. And then probably Beach will do what we did the first couple seasons, although we didn't do it last year. And we'll do a couple of shows um, in the f- winter and spring. Just because I know my kids are asking me about will we be recording shows and doing shows during the rest of the season. So. Alrighty. Okay, Beats. Well, let's finish it with a great big Go Beats.
Meatloaf, Bob! Meatloaf! What? Oh, I gotcha. Okay, Wedding Crashers. <laughs> All right, you ready? Oh, hold on. I need, I need, a, I need, a, I need a haircut. <laughs> Problem is, Beach, you need a parabolic mic for that. Oh, okay. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't work the same. I just hear. I just hear. Damn it! Do I have any scissors up here? Do you have a parabolic microphone? No. This is what I hear. Why does this? This is what I hear. You hear it? You hear it? Yeah, I can hear. Uh huh. How about, how, about, how about this? All right, enough fully works here. Come on, let's get to down to business. Let's get in down to business. Isn't that a? Let's get down to business and defeat the Huns.